The following audio is from Redemption Church. More information about our church can be found at www.redemptionchurchlacombe.org. Take your Bibles. Let's study the Word of God this morning. Ephesians chapter 5 is our text this morning, verses 15 through 18. But I do want you to have Ephesians 3 ready as well this morning. We began... A series last week called The Holy Spirit, The Power at Work Within Us. And as you're turning there, I just want to also encourage you and invite you, for those of you who may be new to Redemption Church and you're considering in regards to letting this become your church home, this coming weekend is our next Discovering Redemption class on Saturday. We'd love for you to be here. That starts about 8.30. There'll be another class on Sunday morning during our small group time. So if you're interested in just learning about who we are as a church, what we believe, how you can get connected, We'll invite you to come. You can sign up on the website or the app, or you can just see one of us as a staff members after church. We'd love to be able to talk with you about it. Today we're going to dive into the Word, into the next series sermon, uh, next sermon in this series of the Holy Spirit, the power at work within us. Last week we launched into this series by looking at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. We looked at a few points from this passage of Scripture, and all that I wanted to share with you last week, we got to cover a portion of that, so we're continuing that truth today, and we may only get through a portion of what we have today. There's much in the element of who the Holy Spirit is for our lives as believers, and we're going to take several weeks to walk through this to make certain that we can understand who He is, to make sure we can understand what it means in our lives practically But let me just recap with you just a little bit from where we were last week. We looked at Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 20. We asked four specific questions, or four points, rather. We looked at that. Number one, we asked the question is, who gives the power of the Spirit? The first thing that we saw was very clear that God gives the power of the Spirit. We can't just manufacture that. We can't just get it ourselves. But God is the one who gives the Spirit to us. I would encourage you to look at your Bible there at verses 14 through 16 from Ephesians 3 to remind you, Paul said, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So God is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. Second question we asked then last week was then who gets the Spirit? Who gets the power, and it's every believer receives the power of the Spirit. That's salvation. We talked about Ephesians 1, verses 13 through 14, that Paul makes it very clear that when you heard the gospel, believed the gospel, you were sealed with the Spirit of God. If you were not here with us last week, I would encourage you to go back and watch last week's sermon as an introduction to this teaching. The third point we looked at last week is to make certain that we understand the Holy Spirit is fully God, the one that we get. When we believe the Holy Spirit is not second class, He's not some subservient to God, He is God Himself. And we saw that in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, when Paul says there's one Spirit, one Lord, and one God. All three. The word one, if you remember, we looked at that word, we looked at the technical element of that. It's not the Greek word that's one as an individual, but the Greek word that Paul chose to use there was one meaning unity among the three. One Spirit, one Lord, one baptism, one God. The reason why we talk about that is because the one who is in us, it's the same God who did all the work in the Old Testament, the same Jesus that we see on the pages in the Gospels. The Spirit of God is fully God that's in us. So when we think 
We don't have enough power within us. We're believing the lie of the enemy that we think that we don't have the power. We have the power at work in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not today, but at some point in this series, we're going to unpack the third point more fully because I want you to see from all the pages of Scripture, old and new, that you understand the Holy Spirit is fully God. The fourth point that we looked at last week was the fact that our walks with Jesus either enables the Spirit's power or quenches the Spirit's power. It's important how we walk. We saw that very clearly. Paul uses four specific challenges in Ephesians 4 and 5. He says that we are to walk in this manner. That is following after in Ephesians 3, talking about the Spirit that is at work within us. Let me just point that out to you. Look at verse 20 when he talked about the power that's in us there in verse 16, then in verse 20. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then notice the transition, chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to what? Walk. So see the connection between the two. The power that he's praying that they get, that he says then, the challenge then, so walk in this way. He says it in chapter 4, verse is 2, or excuse me, verse 4 and 1. Just follow along with me. Verse, chapter 4, verse 17, he says it again. Don't walk as the Gentiles do. Then he says it again in chapter 5, verses 1, walk in love. He says it again in chapter 5, verses 8, walk as children of light. And he says it again in chapter 5, verse 15, walk not as unwise, but as wise. He very clearly tells us that we are to make certain the way we walk can either enable or quench the Spirit's power. In between those four challenges, there is the element of don't quench the Spirit. I draw your attention to that again, chapter 4, verses 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed with redemption. So understand what Paul is saying to us in the middle of all those things, the way that we're walking, that if we're not walking in those ways, we can quench the Spirit of God. We quench the power. I illustrated the choke valve or a gas regulator last week in regards to even our own uh, situation here when we open up the building. And many of us don't realize that the way that we're living is either enabling the flow of the Spirit of God, the power in life, or it's quenching the Spirit of God in our lives. There's a reason that we refer to conviction of the Spirit when we're not walking correctly. It's because the Spirit wants to work, and if we're not living correctly, the Spirit's going to convict us or urge us or prompt us because the Spirit wants us to have the power. He wants us to be able to live in the power. So... We come to the next point of the scripture today that I want us to get to. And that title of the sermon today is to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the ongoing power of the Spirit. So some of you would say, well, I thought we already have the Spirit of God. The answer to that question is yes and yes. We do have the Spirit of God, which is what we talked about last week. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul makes it very clear that those who believe the gospel... We're sealed with the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God. But in this same letter, Paul then challenges in chapter 5, verse 18, to the very same people 
that who have the Spirit of God, he then tells them, and he tells us, because this is breathed out by the Spirit of God, and if it's breathed out by the Spirit of God, that makes it the Word of God for them and for us. And if Paul told them to be continually filled with the Spirit of God, then that means we also, too, must be continually filled with the Spirit of God. Now, we're going to talk about what that means. We're going to try to unpack how does that happen. How do we do that? How do we continually be filled with the Spirit of God? We're going to be very practical. We're going to, this is going to be a two-part sermon, maybe three, just so we can walk through this in a way by which you can understand this. Now, I know as soon as you, some of you hear this, some of you have conceptions in your mind in regards to what that looks like, what that means, maybe what you have heard. And I said to you last week that sometimes people use terms differently. Uh, some people use it for baptism of the Spirit, filling of the Spirit, sealed with the Spirit. We're going to take time to unpack all those, but I believe that the baptism of the Spirit is what Paul talks about and what Jesus refers to, that when we're sealed with the Spirit, that we're baptized into His body. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about that we're baptized into the member of Christ through the Spirit. Some of you have heard the teaching on being baptized in the Spirit as like a second outpouring of the Spirit of God that later exemplifies itself with speaking in tongues. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Tongues is a fruit of the Spirit, but that's not what Paul means in regards to being filled with the Spirit. I believe the sealing and the baptism is what happens when James and Julia and all of us who gave our lives to Christ, you were baptized into the body of Christ with the Spirit of God who lives in our lives, but each of us, as believers, need a constant filling of the Spirit of God in our lives. Paul makes it very clear in this passage of Scripture that we need to be pursuing the ongoing filling of the Spirit of God. I'm going to help you to understand what that means in our lives. Now, understand what we're talking about here, very clearly from the very beginning. Seeking the filling of the Spirit of God is not seeking emotionalism, but seeking... Constant power for every area of our life. There's nothing more and nothing less than that. It's not something that we, we need to get clarity in our minds and maybe take out whatever thoughts you've had about it. And I want to show you scripturally that Paul tells us we need to be seeking the filling of the Spirit of God. So I'll just ask you this question this way. If you want... Power in your marriage, power as a father, power as a wife, power as a teenager, power as a college student, power in your decision-making, power in reactions, power in all that you're doing. This is why we need the filling of the Spirit of God. We say we have the power at work within us. That's what Paul said in chapter 3, verse 20. Look at it again. He said to him, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power where? At work within us. Now, how do we know that power is referring to the Spirit? Because we looked at it last week because verses 16 says that power is through his who? His Spirit in our inner being. So today we're going to talk about seeking the ongoing filling of the Spirit of God. So look with me at chapter 5, verses 18 specifically, where Paul tells us this passage of Scripture. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with what? The Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God. So let's talk about this passage of Scripture 
quite extensively this morning that we can understand what he means here. Paul uses a word here in the verb tense, be filled as an ongoing present tense. Means be continually filled with the Spirit. It's a present tense, meaning it's an ongoing thing. So let me give you some context here. This is, we don't have time to turn there today, but just, if you just write down Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, Paul went into Ephesus on his missionary journeys. And when Paul went into Ephesus on a missionary journey, he met 12 men specifically. And he asked them, uh, did they believe? Did they understand who the Holy Spirit was? And those individuals had not. And when Paul shared with them who he was, they believed. And then they were filled with the Spirit of God. Now, why is that important to understand? Because Paul is talking to those 12 men, most probably are part of this congregation that he's writing to in Ephesus. And so if they already had the Spirit, then why would he say to them to be filled with the Spirit? So that's one example. But also we have to ask ourselves the question, if in chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, Paul has already said that those who heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and sealed with the Spirit, then why would he be saying be constantly filled with the Spirit? It's because we need the filling of the Spirit of God in every aspect of our lives. It's constantly being So what are we talking about here when we're saying be filled with the Spirit? Most of you immediately probably have an image in your mind like a pitcher of water and a glass that has to be filled because the glass is empty. I think that's a wrong illustration of what it means to be filled. So when you're talking about filled, so the question is, do we need to be filled up or filled out? You have... And I have, if we have placed faith in Christ, we have been filled with the Spirit. But when Paul is saying be filled with the Spirit, he's referring to let the Spirit fill out every aspect of your life. We want Him everywhere, in everything, and every aspect of our lives. This is why Paul is saying be filled with the Spirit of God. Why then would he have to tell these people Not to walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. How many of us wrestle with flesh and spirit? It's a constant battle. So Paul is saying, be filled, think of it this way, filled out in every aspect of our lives. Paul actually gives us an illustration in this passage of Scripture to illustrate what he's referring to. Look back at this passage of Scripture In verse 18, and this is, I think, a way by which we can understand what Paul is saying. Listen, this is for every one of you, even children, teenagers. When you're wanting, struggling to live and follow your parents or your guardian, you need the filling of the Spirit of God too. No matter what age you are, I don't care if you've been walking with Jesus 40 or 50 or 60 years. We need the constant filling of the Spirit of God over and over again in our lives. Paul says it here. Notice the illustration. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, he's using the illustration, not just just having a drink or two. He says, don't get what? Drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. Now, you've been around people who've been drunk? If you've been around people who are drunk, from what I have observed, they don't just get drunk in one part of their body. Word. So it's not like 
they just get drunk with their tongue and they walk fine. The people that I know that have been drunk, they can't walk straight. They can't talk right. They can't process clearly. They think they can, but they're not. Their reactions are slow. Their cognitive ability is affected. Every aspect of their life has been permeated with the drunkenness. Do you understand Paul's point now? When Paul is saying, don't be like this, but be filled with the Spirit, what Paul is saying is, in like manner, we want every aspect of our lives to be filled with the Spirit of God. We want our minds to be impacted. We want our tongues to be impacted. We want our reactions to people to be impacted. We want the way that we do proactively to be impacted by the Spirit of God. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But I'm afraid that some of us only want part of the Spirit in our lives. Paul is saying we need to be able to pray for this filling of the Spirit of God. Now... Let's make sure that we understand. You may be saying, okay, well, this is what I want. I want the Spirit to be in every aspect of my life. But I want you to understand something in this passage of Scripture. You can't make that happen on your own. The reason why, because back in this passage of Scripture, look at it again. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with, or some translations, by the Spirit. Meaning, if you remember when Paul prayed back in chapter 3, verse 16, who was Paul praying was going to give the Spirit to these people? God. Look at the text again. That according to the riches of His glory, because he's referring to the Father in verse 14, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So he's already said to them, they have the Spirit, so who's he praying to? God, for the Spirit to impact them, that they could be strengthened with power. So when you get to Ephesians 5, 18, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit of God. So is it our job or is it God's job? Yes and yes. So it is God, though, who brings the filling to us. There's not some particular switch that we just flip, but Paul is saying, be filled with the Spirit of God. He's going to lay out for us. He's already laid out for us several things that we're supposed to be having here, what we're supposed to be doing here. But I want to make it very clear to you that what Paul is saying here is not seeking emotionalism, as I mentioned to you, but seeking the filling of the Spirit of God is to fill every aspect of your life for you to be able to have strength and power to live for Christ in every area of your life. That is what it means, simply and clearly. How do we know that? The same passage there in verse 16 of chapter 3. Notice again what Paul says. He's praying that God would grant you to be what? Strengthened. Strengthened with power. How many of you have felt tired and weary at times trying to live in obedience. Weary at times trying to do what's right. How many of you would say, I need strength to do this? This is why we pray for the filling of the Spirit of God. And it's when we are weak, when He is most strong. 
It's in our weakness that he is most magnified. I'm just going to give you a verse that's not on the screen. It's not in my notes, but the one this Lord brought to my mind. Matthew 5, 6. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So the question we're talking about this is in regards to the spirit that's going to come. You ask yourself the question, well, am I, am I believing in Jesus? Am I believing in God? Am I getting the fullness of the spirit? Or am I getting the fullness of God? Or am I getting the fullness of Christ? Yes. You, when, you cannot, please hear me, you cannot strip out the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and the Spirit of the Spirit. When you get the fullness of the Spirit, you are receiving the fullness of God and the fullness of Jesus and the fullness of the Spirit. Paul actually uses these three in this one book. I want to show it to you. Because if we're asking for the fullness of the Spirit, what we're asking for is the same character and nature of God is in the Spirit. The same character and nature that's in Jesus is in the Spirit. So if we want the fullness of the Spirit, what we're saying is, Lord, fill me full of who you are. Fill me with your nature, your character, your being. Now listen closely. That means we have to die. Our flesh Our struggle has to be sacrificed for the filling of the Spirit of God. Many of us say, yeah, I want it, but that's the part we don't like. If we want the filling of the Spirit of God, then ourselves has to die. Now, where does Paul talk about the fullness of God, the fullness of Jesus, the filling of those things, and the fullness of the Spirit? It's right here. Let me show it to you again. Back in chapter 3, when Paul was praying for these things, let me show it to you. Let's actually start at verses 16 and read through 19. The point that what you see is in verse 19, that according to the riches of his glory, this is 3.16, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with who? With all the fullness of God. So is it the Spirit of God? It's yes, because you can't separate those two. Well, let me show you again in chapter 4, verses 13, when Paul was talking about when he gave ministers and pastors and teachers. Notice what he says. Let's read verses 11 through 13 in chapter 4. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then the text that we looked at just a moment ago, chapter 5, verse 18, pray that you be filled with the Spirit. Fullness of God, fullness of Christ, fullness of His Spirit. So some of you may have said, I want to see more of God. I want to know more of God. I want to see what He was like. I mean, He's all over the pages here. We want to see what God is like. We see it in Jesus and His interactions. And the Holy Spirit will be able to fill us. The question is, I want you to listen closely to me. The real question is, do we want 
the filling of the Spirit. When you hear the gospel, believe the gospel, you are given the Spirit of God. But the question is, do we really want to be filled with the Spirit of God? Do we want the filling of the Spirit of God? Because it means if we're wanting Him to to really fill us or fill out everything, then that means we want Him in every aspect of our lives. That means He's going to root out things that don't need to be there, and it will permeate every area of our lives. I want to illustrate this way to try to help you to understand what permeation means. When my family goes and sees my parents up in North Alabama, my Mom has some kind of plug-in scent that she has, and it's a good-smelling scent. You walk in, the house smells good, and it's amazing. So the phrase that we'll use is like, well, if we come back, it's like, we know we've been at Papa and Nanny's house. Because when we're there for a period of time, that scent permeates everything that we brought with us. Now, it's a good smell. It's not a problem, right? So like it gets into the, the bags, it gets into the clothes, and like I can smell it all the way on the drive home. And even when we get home, I'm unpacking my bag, like, that's mom and dad's house. But it's permeated everything. That's what Paul means to be filled out. It fills their house, it goes into every room, it goes into all the clothes, it's everywhere, everything. This is what Paul is wanting us to grasp. I want you to grasp this. So if we say, yes, we have the power that's in us, one of the reasons why we're not living in power is because we're not allowing or wanting the Spirit to be in every aspect of our lives. I'm afraid that some of us are quite content with Sunday morning mediocre Christianity. That's not what my longing is for you. That's not what my longing is for me. That's not what my longing is for our family. I want the power of the Spirit of God in every aspect. I want it to permeate every aspect. So the question is, first question, do you want it? And the second question then is if we want the permeation, the feeling of the Spirit of God. Let me also just reiterate, we're not talking about wanting an emotionalism, not just simply saying that this has to be a reactionary or the evidence of speaking in tongues. Paul's talking about the pouring out of the Spirit of God in our lives, every aspect of that. So if that's the case, both today and next week and maybe the following week, depending upon how long it takes us to get through it, I want you to see what... Must we do? Because Paul tells us here in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit of God, but it's things that he has to do, but there's actions by what we also must do. It's a partnership in regards to what takes place. So let's ask the question then, and we'll walk through this over the next couple of weeks. What then must we do to have the Spirit's filling and power in our lives? The first one may seem very rudimentary, but it's to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. You say, where's that in the text? You say, Pastor, that seems pretty easy. Oh, maybe easy in statement, but understand the implications of what we're praying. It goes back to what I'm saying. is, If you're saying, pray, Lord, I want the Spirit in my life, then we must also be willing for whatever the Spirit reveals to us that we must be willing to make changes. So if we're saying, use the 
plug-in illustration. If we're saying, fill me, then He may reveal things to us that we may not have thoughts where Byron controlled. If we're saying, fill us, then He may want to permeate a certain area that maybe you thought you God had control over, but really, in reality, maybe you were having control of that. So if we're saying, fill us, then we must be willing to say, Lord, I want you to show me this. I want you to do this. But here's the good news. If the Spirit is the power at work within us, whatever He's revealing to us, He's going to give us the power to make those changes. That's the work of the Spirit of God. He's not going to say, okay, figure it out, Byron. He's going to say, my child. And He's going to help us. But where is Paul's explanation to do this? Well, it's right here in what we just read last week. Let me show it to you again. Chapter 3, verse 14. What's Paul doing for the people? For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. What's Paul doing for them to be filled with the Spirit? He's praying for them. So listen, the lesson here is for ourselves to be praying for ourselves, but then praying for others, praying for the church. That's the application is, Lord, fill Redemption Church with the Spirit of God. Fill our small groups with the Spirit of God. Fill our compassion ministry with the Spirit of God. Fill the worship service with the Spirit of God. Fill the teachings that we do with the Spirit of God. Fill our preschool workers with the Spirit of God. Lord, fill our greeters with the Spirit of God. May it not be anything man-powered, man-driven, and man-dependent. I've taught you before prayer that I use. It's aptat. I've got that from uh, John Piper. It's aptat. Admit that I am nothing and pray for the unction of God. Pray for His anointing. And then T, you trust His work and you get to work. Pray for those things that you, you're asking for this. So does Jesus actually tell us anything that's similar to this? Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, Jesus is teaching His disciples the model prayer. Now, this is also exemplified in the book of Matthew. But in Luke's Gospel, we have a statement that Jesus gives here in regards to, in this prayer, what else He says for praying for and asking what the Lord will give. For the sake of our time, we're just going to read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll skip down to verses 9 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Let's get down to verse 9. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, we're good at talking about the model prayer and the aspect of praying for the Father's kingdom to be glorified and praying for daily needs and praying for sins to be forgiven and praying for us to not be led into temptation. And then Jesus is saying, though, ask, it's going to be given to you what Jesus is also teaching. And all these things, if you go back to what we're talking about, that our walk impacts. If you look at Matthew's parallel gospel, he talks about in this aspect, if we're not forgiving other people, God's not going to be forgiven us. And so you put all those things together, the way that we're living with God and with people impact the pouring out of the Spirit of God in our lives. But Jesus is saying, will God not grant the giving of the Spirit of God unless we're asking Him? Some of you say, well, I've got the Spirit, I don't have to ask Him. Well, then you may be lacking the filling. Because Paul makes it clear, and Jesus makes it clear, that we should be praying and asking for the filling of the Spirit of God. You say, Pastor, how often do you pray for that? Every day. Literally, every day. Before I get up to preach, when I wake up on Sunday mornings and I'm going through my reading of my notes, I am praying, Lord, fill me with your Spirit of God. There's a couple of patterns of Scripture that I want to show you in the book of Acts that shows that praying precedes filling. Praying precedes filling. Look at Acts with me just for a moment. Let me show you just a couple of passages just as an example. Acts chapter 1. Now, I know that in the book of Acts, there's a couple of different ways by which the Spirit comes. And we will walk through that at some point to show you that how the Lord was moving in the book of Acts and how He moves now and what He does. But in Acts 1, the context of this particular passage of Scripture is that Jesus has just ascended back to to heaven. He He walked on the earth for 40 days after His resurrection. And then we have in Acts 2 what's called Pentecost, where the Spirit comes. Remember, Jesus had told his disciples that he was going to give them power. If you look with me, Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said to his apostles, You will receive, what? Power. Same thing Paul says, right? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem all Judea and Samaria unto the ends of the earth. So what was the power and the Spirit purpose for? For them to be witnesses, for them to be bold, for them to be strengthened. Now, so they're waiting. From Jesus' resurrection to Pentecost was 50 days. Jesus was there 40 days. That leaves 10 days. What are they doing during that time? In Acts chapter 1 Verses 12 through verses 14, notice what's happening. And they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet. So Jesus has just ascended, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to what? Prayer, 
together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, fast forward to chapter 2. So for 10 days, they're gathering in what's called the upper room, and they're praying, and Peter has stood up to give some explanation of Scripture. And then verse 1 of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. What place? The same place they were in chapter 1. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared upon them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled of the Holy Spirit. So you see this one example. They're praying, they're believing, and the Spirit comes. Acts chapter 4. Let me show you another example. That's the first coming of the Spirit after Jesus had ascended. Jesus had told them that after he left, he was going to send another helper to be with them. This is the coming of the Spirit that's there. And then in Acts chapter 4, we see another example where Peter and John, who've already been filled with the Spirit. Yes, you follow me? Tracking with me? They've already been filled with the Spirit of God. That's right there in Acts chapter 1. But in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have been arrested for preaching, and then they gather with their friends who are praying. And when they're praying, then the Spirit of God comes and fills them again. Chapter 4, verse 23. Let me just show it to you there. Verse 23 and 24. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and sea and everything in them. And you can continue reading the prayer that is there. They get together and what do they do? They pray. Now, I want you to notice something. These individuals are not getting together just to pray for the Spirit. They're praying for God's will to be done. They're seeking the favor of God. But what are they doing? What are they praying that is here in this passage of Scripture? Well, if you'll look just there, if you would, down to verses 29. And let's pick up there, chapter 4. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and to grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all Boldness. What are they praying for? Boldness. Courage to be able to speak. And then what happens? Verse 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now listen closely. Peter and John were in that mix and Peter and John were in chapter 1 where they were filled with the Spirit of God and here we are in chapter 4 where they prayed and God filled them with the Spirit of God. So do they not get filled on chapter 1? Yes, they did. So what's chapter 4? Filling with the Spirit of God for what purpose? To speak with boldness. Listen, filling with the Spirit of God is never, never for our, not ever for our glorification. Filling of the Spirit of God is never for our exaltation. To be elevated above everybody else. The filling of the Spirit of God is for the purpose of bringing glory to Christ. Because that's what the Spirit does. We're going to talk about that more next week. That John 16, Jesus says the purpose of the Spirit, He says, is to glorify Himself. So if we're saying, listen closely... We don't have time to unpack all this. I'm just going to say things and we'll have to unpack it later. If we're saying, Lord, fill me with the Spirit of Christ, fill me with the Spirit of God, what we're praying is, Lord, I want every area of my life to bring glory to Jesus. That's what it means. So ask yourself the application question right now. Are there areas of your life right now that you know don't bring glory to Jesus? 
And if that's the case, and you say, Lord, fill me in this area. Acknowledge it to him. So if we know that we are wanting, we have to ask for that. So let me couple this next point, because it's not enough just to pray, Lord, I want this. Fill me. You, you have to have the second step in regards, coupled with this. We've talked about it a little bit already in regards to how we walk. So let me say it here. If you're wanting the filling of the Spirit of God, the second thing is that we must walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And there's two aspects of this. So I want to tell you, to, tell you both of those, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. To walk in a spirit means we're walking in obedience to God's word. And then the second aspect is that we are walking away from sin that he has revealed to us. So if we're wanting to have the spirit of God, we're praying, Lord, fill me. And that's why I'm saying, do we really want this? We're asking, Lord, to fill us. Then we have to say, okay, then how I walk matters. Then I also have to be willing to turn away from those things that the Lord is showing me. We've kind of unpacked the first aspect of how we walk either strengthens or quenches the Spirit of God. But let me show it to you again just very quickly. Look back at Ephesians 5 and let's see it closely uh, in verses 15 and 18. I gave you the four different passages that the walk components are spoke, uh, spoken of. But let's look at just the last one that's mentioned. And I want you to see the connection between how we walk impacts the impact of the Spirit of God in our, our lives. Verses 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. That's walking as unwise. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, which is being wise. And don't... Get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Put all that together. Paul's saying, how you walk is part of being filled with the Spirit of God. If God is the one who is going to pour out His Spirit in us, if I'm choosing, if I want the Spirit to permeate every area of my life, but then if I'm choosing to walk in the flesh in this area, then I'm not allowing the Spirit to work in that area of my life. Now, each of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, you know what it's like to walk in the flesh. You know what it's like if you've had moments when the Spirit is saying no to you and you choose to say yes to flesh. And it's in those moments the Spirit is wanting to fill you with the Spirit of God, but it's in that moment we're trying to gratify self instead of the Spirit. And again, the Spirit's goal is to gratify Jesus. And so it's in those moments, Paul is saying, how we walk, how we walk. It's part of our choosing of also what we are doing. We're going to walk according to what God's word says and according in line with the Holy Spirit. Now, that second part then means this. If I'm going to walk then in obedience, then I can't walk in obedience if I'm holding on to sin. I have to repent and turn away from whatever the Spirit is revealing to me. Now, that's constant growing in Jesus, is it not? Now, I've been saved many years, and there's still room that the Spirit is permeating, working, rooting out sin. 
growing in my life, revealing things in my life, or things where I may act in the flesh, the Spirit quickly convicts me because He knows those areas don't gratify Jesus. So if He's working in us, revealing us, we're praying God to fill us, then we have to walk away from those sins. What do we see that? We saw that already in all these passages of Scripture. Listen to me. According to the, let's just walk these in order. So chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, if Paul says, walk in unity with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, if I am choosing to be at odds with one another, how in the world can I expect the Spirit of God to move? In chapter 4, verses 17, when he says, we must not walk any longer as the Gentiles do. You look at it in verse 22 and 23. What does he say in chapter 4, verse 22? Put off your what? Your, say it, old self. Do you know how often you have to put off your old self? Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, if any man's going to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. So you know how often you put off the old self? Daily. Because you know how frequent the enemy is going to rise up against you? Daily. So how frequent do we need to be praying, fill me with the Spirit? Daily. God, fill us with the Spirit of God. Ask Him to fill us with His power. Let me illustrate it this way. When you, at your home, each of you have what's called a breaker box. And it has a main, main breaker that allows all the power to then come into your home. That main power for us is the Spirit of God in our lives. But in that breaker box, there's individual breakers to individual circuits. Living room, bathroom, bedroom, kitchen, den, and you go on and on. And maybe even in, in, the, in those particular rooms, there may be individual circuits, even in those rooms, for example. You have to have a GFCI circuit within the, maybe a kitchen or in a bathroom. You've got individual breakers. And this is what it looks like in some of our lives. We want the Spirit's power in all of the rooms of our lives. We need to have the breakers on. Meaning, Lord, you have access to every room of my life. But some of us want to keep some of the breakers off. Because we want control of that area. Or we're unwilling or unyielding to let the power go there. Because what happens is when the lights come on, dirtiness gets seen. It's the power that enables the cleansing to happen. Some of us, when we're saying, Lord, fill us with the Spirit of God, there's like the surge, it's right there. You know what happens as soon as you flip the breaker? You know how quick the power comes? It's there. Some of us may have some areas of our life as you're saying, Lord, I want the power. And you may immediately say, hey, the breaker of this in your heart. The breaker of this in your mind. The breaker of this on your phone. The breaker of this in the locker room. The breaker of your life in the break room at church or break room at work. That conversation that you're having when no one know, really knows you're a Christian. Turn the breaker on. So if we want the filling of the Spirit of God, it's being willing to say, God, I want every area of your life. Turn them on, God. I give them to you. So show me all the areas of what I need to do. So 
Do you want the filling of the Spirit of God? Maybe it's where some of us just need to begin this morning. It's just simply saying, Lord, I want to be filled. You know, it's interesting, back in that Luke 11 passage, where Jesus says those who ask of the Father that He is willing to give them the Holy Spirit. I rarely get Greek technical with you, but I'm going to get Greek technical with you. The asking of the Father that's there by Jesus is the same tense that Paul uses in Ephesians 5. Meaning, Paul said, be continually praying for the Spirit of God to be filled. Jesus says, those who are continually asking of the Father, God will give the spirits. It's not just one time. You say, Byron, I prayed that two years ago. Pray it today. Let the power flow. Pray that some of us, as we ask the Lord to show us, some of you are at the first question, and you're wrestling because the enemy is wrestling with you. And he's saying, you don't, you don't really need to ask for the filling of the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit. Yes, you have the Spirit, but you need to pray for the filling. You say, why? Because the Word tells us we need to. The enemy doesn't want you to have the filling of the Spirit of God because the enemy wants to take root in certain areas of our lives. And so if we say, Lord, I need you to show me, because you may not know every area of the life, but when the Lord moves in and he begins to shine the light on those things, I guarantee you he's going to make it clear And it's in that moment you say, okay, Lord, help me, because that area is tough. Because guess what the Holy Spirit is for us? He is our helper. He is the enabler. He is the strengthener. So I'll just ask you some very simple questions today. You say, Lord, what does it look like for my feeling? So I'll ask you this. What about your eyes? What are your eyes being filled with? We're asking for the filling of the Spirit of God. What are our eyes being filled with? What about your mind? What are you letting your mind be filled with? Look, it's not always just sinful things, but sometimes there's frivolous things that we simply waste time. You ever heard of what's called dooms scrolling? Let me illustrate doom scrolling. Doom scrolling is when you get on some kind of social media platform or whatever it is and you just get zoned out. And you just... And then you look at the locks like, my goodness, where did the time go? Anybody need to repent right now? Yeah, that response, yep. What's the point? It may not necessarily be sinful, but when we say we want the filling of the Spirit of God, I'm not saying you can't use that tool, but what I'm just alarming us to is how much we're filling our lives with things that don't give us power. What about your mouth? You're asking for the filling of the Spirit of God. Are you willing to let Him help you with your mouth? I'll never forget there was a man. I can't remember his name. I remember when he got saved, he, he was learning a new language is what he said. And he got saved and 
God filled him. He's being saved. And he would, some words would slip out. He said, I'm sorry, Pastor, I'm having to learn a new vocabulary. But the very fact that he instantly recognized it was the work of the Spirit of God to try to help him to realize he's having to do what Paul says in Ephesians 4.22, put off the old self. What about your feet? Are you going places, doing things that's enabling you or hindering you to be filled with the Spirit of God? It's like that old little song that people used to sing, right? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Careful, little feet, where you go. You know the song. You and I, I'm praying that you will see in a simple but yet profound, impactful prayer if we're really saying, be filled with the Spirit of God. Are we willing for God to take control? Really the question is, do you still want to be in the control of your own power? Well, that pales in comparison to what the Spirit can do. But it comes back to the first question. You can't pray to be filled with the Spirit if you don't have the Spirit in the first place. The only way you get the... Spirit is if you have repented and believed. So that's the first invitation to all of us here in this room and those online. I'm not talking about being filled with religion. I'm not talking about being filled with just vocabulary. But have you repented and believed, died to self, and asked Christ to be your king? And if that's the case, if you have not, then today take that step. Repent, believe, and ask Jesus to save you, and when you ask him with all genuine faith, according to Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, he gives you the Spirit of God to live in you. You get God. And then we pray, Lord, fill me. Fill my marriage, fill my business, fill my interactions, fill everything about me, Lord. Show me what's not of you. Permeate like the plug-in. Permeate everything. And here's the beauty. When we took it, it went with us. And if we're filling the Spirit of God, we're not just saying, fill us here just on Sunday morning. Fill us as I go to home. Fill me when I go to work. Fill me when I go to the marketplace. Fill me when I go to the ball field. Fill me when I'm sitting in dugouts. Fill me when I'm in the college classrooms. Fill me when I'm having a debate with a professor. Fill me when I'm having a dialogue with a coworker that I might disagree with. Fill me so that what I say, what I do, what I react, how I think, what I turn on, what I turn off is permeating every area of my life. That's what it means to be filled. Some of you say, what, what does that look like? When you're saturating your lives with God, with the Word, obviously you can't sit in a cubicle and just read the Bible all day long. If you think that's all I do, that'd be amazing. <laughs> just come watch for a week. So I make time. I get up early. To be able to spend time with God. Why? Because I know I need the filling of the Spirit and the people I'm going to counsel with, people I'm going to have to make decisions with, and God in the staff, and God in my family. Do I get it right every time? No. And when I get it wrong, the Spirit of God is right there very quickly to say, Byron, that was you. That wasn't me. But we're praying, Lord, help us with the Spirit of God. Now, some of you, let me kind of illustrate this way. Teenagers, I'll start with you. 
go to camp. Your phones are taken away. And you get to be focused on hearing the word. You get to break out in groups and you get to pray together. And so the busyness of the world is not what's filling your mind. And so in those moments, the Spirit is filling every aspect of your lives. And you're excited. You feel emboldened. You feel empowered to come back and live for Christ. That's what it looks like being filled with the Spirit of God. If you, adults, some of us, it would be benefiting you to have an unplug from the world for a day or for two and just set it aside to have a recharge, a refocus, and a refueling. When you come in on this place on Sunday morning, you've been in your small groups, and you've been here, I pray that you walk out emboldened and empowered because you've been filled with teaching, truth, worship, exalting Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God. That's why when you walk out these doors, you feel encouraged and empowered and emboldened as what Paul prayed for in Ephesians. But you have to keep praying when you leave here, God, keep me filled with the Spirit of God tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then God, when we show up, fill this place with the Spirit of God. Do you want to be filled? And pray. And walk. As God tells us, we'll unpack the other two next week. But it starts with authentic, genuine asking. Is this what you want? And if it's what you want, be ready for what he will show. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the truths of your word. I thank you that you, when you save us, you are not leaving us alone. Thank you that you long to fill every area of our lives. The Lord, your word teaches us that those of us who are in Christ, that even though you have sealed us with the Spirit of God, you are teaching us to pray for the constant filling of your Spirit. So Lord, I pray just like Paul prayed for his people in Ephesians 3. I pray it for my people. Your sheep. People that you have entrusted under to our care as pastors here. Lord, fill us with the fullness of God. Fill us with the fullness of Jesus. Fill us with the fullness of the Spirit. Permeate us. Reveal to us areas that are not honoring to your name. Oh, Lord, come. Lord, I pray for those in this room and those who are watching online who are wrestling right now. And the enemy is lying to them. Telling them they don't need to pray for the filling of the Spirit. And God, I pray that they would ignore and rebuke that lie right now. We desperately need you. And I'm thankful, Lord, for what you, Jesus, taught us in Luke 11. To those who genuinely are asking of the Father that you would grant the Holy Spirit to us. So, Lord, 
Thank you that you have filled us with the Spirit. Now fill us out. Permeate everything. And so, Lord, if you're already revealing to some in this room and to some that's online areas that you've been trying to reach and to permeate and to turn the breaker on in that room, then I ask you, Lord, for those individuals that you'd give them the power and the courage to say no to those sins and yes to you so you can give them the power and the strength that they need to fight whatever it is. Lord, set some people free this morning. Deliver people where they need to be delivered. Strengthen those that need strengthening to put off the old self, to walk in the new. So Lord, thank you that you're better than an x-ray machine. Thank you that you're better than a CAT scan and an MRI of our souls. You see to the core of our being. Lord, work. And if there's any, Lord, in this room, or any who are listening online, who have never received you and received the Holy Spirit because they've never repented and believed. They know it in their mind, but they have never done what you said in Romans 10, that we must confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that you raised him from the dead. If they've never done that, then God, today, let today be the day. So now, God, I trust, I trust you're going to take your word and move in our hearts. But help us to obey and walk in the Spirit right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, chance to respond. There'll be people here, part of our prayer team. Welcome to come. If you need to make an altar out of your chair, an altar out of this stage, or if you need to come to us and ask us to pray with you, you come. We're here to receive you. Obey. Walk as he's told you to walk.